welcome to the 63rd episode of the No Degree Podcast. Today's guest is Seth Himes. Seth is the founder of Digital Marketing Career Blueprint. Seth is a digital marketer and helps a student break into digital marketing without a college degree. He has worked with many agencies. Seth, however, has a college degree. It did him little good and cost him a lot of money. He actually wrote the book, Skip College for Success, where he breaks down how a lot of the statistics around college aren't accurate. Seth and I discuss how the degree requirement came to be and why it isn't fair. Seth shares his career struggles and how he overcame them. Listen to follow Seth's journey. Visit nodegree.com to start your journey. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash nodegree. Every contribution is appreciated. This show wouldn't be possible without you. Let's get this show started. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. And today I have Seth Jared Himes, the author of Skip College for Success, a book that I've actually bought. And he's the author of Skip College for Success, a wonderful book. And he does a lot of things. So can you give a brief intro about yourself? Hey, man. Thanks. My name is Seth. Yeah, so I, I wrote Skip College for Success. Um, right now, I teach a course where I teach people how to get jobs in digital marketing with no previous experience or education. I have a lot of very successful students who were smart enough to skip college completely, get marketable skills, and are now years ahead of their peers who went to college. So that's like my main business. And that's mostly what I talk about. I could talk to you about other stuff too. I mean, that's cool, man. I mean, I've seen some of the successes of your students and I think it's it's important because especially in the SEO, SEM space, you're not going to learn that stuff in college. And the fact is the market moves too quick. People who learned it in 04 who've been out of the game have come to a whole new territory, whole new ball game, right? It changes year by year. And then I know lately Facebook privacy things and app updates, right? They kind of change how these industries are affected. So that's something you have to kind of be in the industry to know. Yeah. And, you know, add on to that. It's not even like, oh, we're a little bit behind if you went to college um, in terms of their marketing programs. They are 20 or 30 years behind. They do not teach digital. It is considered an elective. These programs were put together in the 80s or the 70s. And a lot of these programs, uh, even NYU, I was looking that one up, you know, you'll go to their marketing program page and who is the featured professor. It's an 80-year-old tenured professor who probably doesn't know anything about the internet teaching concepts that are so outdated that when people come to me and they say, hey, I got a degree from this university. I got a degree from this school in marketing. How do I get a job? I'm like, well, did you learn about anything relevant to these actual jobs that are in demand? And like, no, no, we studied, I don't know, billboards, radio, microfinancing, statistics, it's just the most ridiculous stuff because academia is so slow and so out of date. Yeah, no, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, and they're paying a lot for it. So I just, I really feel like they, they're getting ripped off. Now, let's kind of take it back. What'd you want to be in high school? When I was in high school, by the way, I remember the pressure to go to college. Oh my God. And I went to a competitive high school and it was like, what'd you get in SATs? And people were like crying in the hallway if they got into this school. It didn't go that I school. remember those days, like the people would cry on their SATs and it's because it's like, hey, I got only like 50 points off from a perfect score and they're like crying and how their life is over. And it's, it's so sad and pathetic. It's pathetic. It's really is. It's sad. Like you're putting all this time and energy into these tests and no idea what's over the cliff. So I went to, but I was in that rush and I wasn't the best student in a very competitive school, but I liked film. So I had a talent for videos and film, and this is in the 90s before online digital nonlinear editing and YouTube. And I ended up going to NYU for film school. And it was really amazing to think that, you know, I didn't research the industry. I didn't know anything about the real, the reality of working in the field. I actually had worked in high school on video productions, on film productions, and I went off to college and had this idea in my head that this was going to somehow magically catapult me into being a film director. And it turned out to be just the biggest waste of time and energy. I actually did more work and made more money when I was in high school than when I was in college. Wow. <laughs> and I learned more in high school than I did in this terrible program. So, yeah, I wanted to be a filmmaker. And I actually did make a movie a couple of years ago, which was really exciting. But... I graduated in like 1999, no idea what I was, what to do. 
I worked at Fox News Channel actually as an editor, believe it or not, which was weird because this is right when Fox News Channel was launching and I didn't agree politically with anyone there and it was, it was wild. But I drank the Kool-Aid about college since I was about 15 years old, you know? Like I remember a friend of mine, his parents wouldn't pay for him to go to college. He was very bright. And I remember just being like, oh my God, his life is over. This poor guy, he's, he's got no future. And I had a friend when I was at NYU who dropped out. And I remember being like, oh my God, you're dropping out. How could you drop out? Oh no. And I look back, I'm like, how the hell did I think that? This guy was so smart to drop out. How much was NYU back then? Because I mean, I think around the 90s was when it started increasing. And after 2000, it was just like, yeah, we're let's just figure out how much we can get away with every year. And NYU is one of the most expensive schools in the country. I was probably about 30000 a year at that point. And, you know, I had like scholarships, financial aid, and my family, of course, had been saving for college. I had, As a teenager, I, had, I was like, why are we saving for college? Because I wanted to spend the money on stuff. But I didn't realize just what a bad investment it was going to be. And honestly, when I got out of college, I didn't even, I still didn't believe that it was a mistake. I was like proud of my degree. I thought it was going to help me somehow. I would put it at the top of my resume when I would apply for jobs. And it wasn't until I moved to LA and this really great um, recruiter helped me get my career going. And he said, like, Sad, first thing, you got to put this degree at the bottom of your resume. And I remember being like heartbroken. I was like, what? Like, but I just worked so hard to get this degree. I spent 16 years of my life <laughs> studying all this stuff. Why would I put it at the bottom of my resume? They don't care. You know how much tuition is right now? It's got to be 60, 60K a year. I guess it depends on the different program, but $53,308. But remember, living cost is totally different because that's just as tuition and fees. I don't think that includes living costs. And, you know, New York City housing is like from 2000 to now, it's like that has been another thing. I can't even imagine, you know, back then, even when I was at Weinstein dorm, they would cram two of us into these time. If you watch the movie, The Freshman with Matthew Broderick and Marlon Brando, it's in those dorms. And it's these tiny cinder block rooms that are so small and they cram two people are in there. Like you're living with your brother or your sister, you know, they like put you in the same room. You don't have any privacy and you're each back in the nineties, we we're paying a thousand dollars a month for the housing. And that was in the nineties. So now it's gotta be 1500, 2000 a month to share a tiny cinder block room. This is what they have on the website. So 56,500 tuition, right? Room and board is like, it says 19,682. And then 76182 Then, of course, books and supplies. You have transportation, personal expenses. So the total cost is like 80K. So can you imagine? Look, I'll be fair. After financial aid, your 56000 the average cost goes down to 42000 It's just crazy. Well, you know, I know you interview most people who are smart enough to skip college, and I'm one of the sort of converts, if you will. And... You know, so I've been on both sides, so I know why people are insane um, about college. So I can tell you what that's about if you want or how I came over to your side of thinking, if you'd like. Yeah, you know what? Let's talk about it. So when did things start shifting and when did you start like picking up new skills? Right. And obviously you had a revelation when the person said, hey, put your degree at the bottom. And now you start getting work experience. How was that like? Well, OK, so I was in L.A., and I had moved there and I actually, the problem was I was actually complaining to, I had met a bunch of other NYU alumni who were my friends, which was like the one benefit I'll give the school. Like I met some cool people through the alumni network, which is not worth $100,000. <laughs> I've met most of my friends without any college connection since then. But I would complain and bitch and moan about the program because I was like, you know, you're in LA, NYU in particular has almost no does not assist their alumni. It's known for this. It's terrible alumni support. The alumni themselves are great, but the school is just so, with their heads up their asses, the administration is just terrible. So I would complain because my other classmates had gone to either the acting or the film school. And one day I remember they yelled at me. They were like, shut up, you know, because like they were also, the thing is they were having the same problems. They were having the same struggles, but who wants to hear somebody tell you the truth and say, hey, you know, we got ripped off. What the hell were they teaching us for four years? This is a bunch of bullshit. So they were like, shut up. And I was like, okay, I, I understand. I wouldn't want to listen to them either. I'm going to write a book. So I decided to write a book about their film program called Film Fooled. 
And I, I researched and I basically put together a really comprehensive analysis of their program, which was the curriculum was designed in 1968, had not been updated in 30 years, still hasn't been updated. Still hasn't been updated. It's the same basic stuff they were teaching in the 60s as if you've never looked at a video camera before. Like, this is what video is. Oh, look, it's moving images, like moving images. I'm like, dude, any tween already knows more than the average person did in 1968 about the visual medium. So I wrote this book and I was doing all these statistics about the cost and the benefit and the tuition and, and all the numbers. And I remember that's when I first started being like, wow, this was a ton of money. Cause my parents kind of kept me in the dark about my finances. Um, I was fortunate that we were, you know, I only had like $11,000 in loans when I came out, still a lot of money, but yeah, it wasn't like some other people, but I, um, I didn't really understand the whole college craziness until I started to look at these numbers. And then I was like, this is insane. And I started to kind of talk about college in general, but I still believe that it was my degree that was the problem. I was like, well, if I had majored in English or biology, I'd be in some better situation, you know, and I, again, was looking for like temp work. I ended up getting a job as an accountant just because not an accountant, like your account, but like, uh, accounts receivable because the guy interviewed me and I went to a recruiter who advocated for me. And then the, the, the guy hiring was like, could see I had a head on my shoulders and I was eager to work, which is all you need when you're 18. You don't need, you know, this stupid degree. Then I started to talk to other people. And that's when I realized that this thing was so much bigger. It was actually, I was at a party. I still remember this. I was at a party. I'm like 26, 27 years old. And I'm talking with this 21 year old girl who just graduated college. And she's I said, what did you major in? She said, biology. And I was thinking, oh, science, you must be in a great position. You must be having jobs lined up or whatever. And I started to ask her about it. And she burst into tears at the party. And I was like, what's wrong? And she said, I have $71,000 in student loan debt. I can't get a job. All the jobs I could, may be able to get are like $10 an hour. I don't know how I'm ever going to pay this off. I don't know what I did. And she started to go on and on about this biology degree. And that's when it like hit me in the gut. Cause I was like, this is like my sister's age. I was like, $70,000. How is this possible that this 21 year old has what in order to have that kind of debt at that age, you'd have to be a degenerate drug abusing gambler in the old days, right? Like how do you get $70,000 in debt unless you lost, you bet on the ponies and lost. It's crazy. So that started to really turn me to be like, this whole thing is a scam. Did you publish that book or that book turned into Skip College for Success? So the film book I published and it was, this is, I think, before Amazon got really big. So I was on Lulu and I did reach people and I promoted it as much as I could. Again, this is like 2007, maybe. That inspired me to make my website, Film School Secrets, where I basically came up with a program that was like, here's what you do instead of film school. Don't waste your money. So I spent like five, six years promoting this program, helping people get on film sets, start making their own movies, start writing, producing their own stuff, getting over this idea they had to go to film school. I, I met a lot of uh, parents and students who thanked me because they felt like they needed to go to NYU or USC and they realized they didn't or they didn't get into those schools and they were thinking, oh, I can't do movies. And that's when I got a real taste for teaching online because I got to touch the lives of all these people across the world. And that really happened because I was like, I had been going so negative with like college is a scam, college is terrible. And I think somebody once said to me, so what, well, do you have something positive? What can you tell people to do instead? And that's when I made my program. I was like, okay, I want to tell you exactly what I would have done instead. And people were getting results. People were thanking me. A program, you know, was selling till about, you know, it's still, I still get students from time to time. In 2013, I turned it into like a more hands-on mentorship program. And I started working in digital marketing in 2011, just sort of fell into the field. And then I worked in the field for several years. And the short version is in 2016, I was like, well, I can take what I did with the film program and do it with digital marketing. So I created the digital marketing career blueprint in 2016. And that is the program I'm still teaching today. And, and since then, it's helped thousands of people. It's more than I ever could have dreamed of. I've helped so many people get into digital marketing, people without college degrees, people who got marketing degrees and learned nothing, <laughs> people changing careers, teenagers, all sorts of people. When did you write Skip College for Success? I wrote Skip College for Success in 2019. 
I wrote it in three weeks because it had like 10 years. I sat at the computer like eight or nine hours a day, but it was 10 years of like bottled up frustration about this conversation. So I like, I had been waiting to write this book. That's why it moved so quickly. Can you walk me through your book a little? Like, what is it that you go into in the book? Okay, so the book is, like I said, the most definitive analysis of why college is a mistake and exactly what to do instead. Because most of these books or conversations are too general or they're relying on emotions. So the first section of the book is like the irrefutable evidence why college is a mistake. And all I do in that is break down the statistics in ways you will never hear on the media. The media is so biased and will not um, reveal or go dig into the source of their statistics. So the first thing, the thing I really get into in there is like, there's no correlation between earning and educational achievement. And this is like completely used as propaganda. What I mean is you will see that people with a bachelor's degree on average make more money than people without a degree, which is based on, by the way, this is 20 years past statistics. This is like based on statistics going back to the 1990s. What you don't look at is that that is not causal, scientifically accurate data. It's not causal, right? Because smart people go to, are pressured to go to college. They happen to get a degree, then they go on to make more money. That's what happened with me. I went to film school, learned a bunch of BS. 10 years later, I got into digital marketing and now I make good money. But my college takes credit for that. Most driven people are pressured to go to college. They will get that degree. 70% of high schoolers go to college or are enrolled in college at this point. It's going down. Like last year, it was 67%. But with so many people going to college and so many billionaires having happened to have a degree, it skews these numbers. What happens is, is that, yeah, the colleges and the media always say, well, the college degree, people with a college degree earn more money. And that convinces people to think, well, I need this degree to make more money. And it repeats the cycle. Yeah, it's not causal. <laughs> and then the other thing is a lot of people who go to college come from middle class or upper higher backgrounds. So they have a better support system. So they're already, even if they didn't go to college, they're still better off, right? They have that social safety net and all that stuff. And a lot of times the reasons people don't go to college are due to life situations, due to lack of money, due to bad family situations and all that. And those people still in general don't make money. So a lot of times it's just the actual situations and you, when you dig into it, it makes a big difference. And then the other thing is the higher paying jobs require college degrees. So people go to college and because those jobs require it, but not because those jobs necessarily need it, right? So that's another thing that causes a huge, excuse the data. There's so many um, variables, but it's never discussed in detail. And you just pointed out a few of them. Also, what I've proven in, with my course is that the idea that a degree is required for any job other than a, being a doctor, a lawyer, or like a psychologist is a real misnomer too, because there's people, so many of my students don't have a degree and they got jobs where the posting said degree required, marketing degree required, bachelor's degree required. But in reality, employers just started putting that nonsense on postings in like the 80s the time it was like, well, there's this perception that people with a degree are like brighter or more driven. And it was a smaller percentage of the population. So yeah, that degree requirement has kind of just been a lazy habit of a lot of HR people. Uh, but you're right. You know, um, people, yeah, if you're going to be a doctor, or a lawyer or something, yeah, obviously you need to go ahead. So look, I'm going to even counter you. I'm of the belief that if a lawyer can pass the bar without going to law school and, you know, they get the experience, they should be able to practice law, right? Because it takes a very driven individual to study and do what it takes to pass the bar by themselves if they can do it. And then someone counters that, say, no, they have to do that. Then the bar should not be what's required after law school, because if that's not the metric, right, then something's wrong. And then for a doctor, I'll tell you, I do think they have to take the required lab courses to understand maybe how to work with the tools and stuff, right? That whatever, and they have to take the residency. But if they can pass, you know, if they can pass the boards through self-study, they are a special type of individual, right? Because a lot of times it's regurgitation and all that stuff. I'm right there with you, man. And it's funny because um, there's a guy named Marty Nemco, who's uh, a career coach, and he's been quoted in like US News and World Report. He's been on ABC News. And I talked with him a lot when I was writing these books. And um, he actually had this suggestion. He was like, you should write a book about why medical school is a waste and why law school is a waste. And I thought, 
I agree with you. However, I'm trying to hit those nine. I'm not interested in the doctors and lawyers because it's such a small percentage. I want the the person that's going to Arizona State or wherever and majoring in sociology and is about to blow up their financial future because they think they need a degree. Those are the people I want to reach. And I do agree with you about law school. In fact, my, my dad was telling me, you know, my grandpa was a judge and I was like, I think he went to law school and this was like in the 40s or something. But I mean, the law school was like this new invention. It was like, there were no law schools. It was just like you apprentice under a lawyer. And I think apprenticeship and practical consideration. The only reason I say that is because people always hit me with that. Like as soon as I start saying, hey, an 18-year-old kid shouldn't take out $60,000 in loans to pay for a sociology degree, they go, well, do you mean the doctor shouldn't go to college? Yeah, it's such a bad cop-out. And you know, here's the thing. I'm not against necessarily school. I just don't think it should be that expensive. It needs to be reformed and changed. And it needs to be affordable. And then the other thing is they have to have some skin in the game, right? They need to be incentivized in having you succeed instead of giving you this big bill where you don't succeed. And they should teach you practical things because I talk to a lot of people who are doctors and dentists. They forget all the things. It's purely they just make it hard to say you make hard to kind of just say, yeah, I work, I studied so hard. But it's like and then they don't know how to teach their patients. They don't know how to communicate. They're like, you know, they treat them like, you know, like jerks. And it's like, you know, because if you think about it. If the standard is so rigorous and correct, there should or a bad doctor should be rare. But the fact is, it's hard to find a good doctor. Like you have to jump from doctor to doctor to doctor. And it's like they're all passing the boards. They're all getting licensed. The process is not producing good doctors. And if it's not producing good doctors, it's not a good process. Systems. The reason I wrote the book and the reason I'm into is because I said that fixing these systems is a major asset. I'm not going to do it. You're not going to do it. Nobody within the system. It's kind of like people who say, I want to become a politician to fix the system. And they just get eaten up by it. The, the best. And even if it could happen, reform. And that's the thing, too. It's like digital marketing in particular. I can't speak to medicine per se, but I agree with what you're saying. Digital marketing, people say, oh, you know, you should get a degree. Is, it's the same. A degree would be OK, except uh, it should be cheaper. I'm like these colleges are not quality institutions at all in terms of education. I remember NYU. Okay. I remember these classes. They are inefficient. They are teaching esoteric random information. The, the, the professors vary in quality. There's tenure. Tenure means that a terrible professor has a job for life, is not subject to any type of discipline, discipline or accountability. And so you get a lot of these old farts who are unintelligible, terrible teachers, and they have a job for life. And the whole system is just very archaic. So that's why I like teaching online. I can give people practical information that they can take action on quickly. Whereas in college, you're going to get expensive textbooks and you're going to learn so much irrelevant crap that has nothing to do with what you're there to study. I mean, even for doctors, I'm like, dude, why do they even need a bachelor's degree? Like, what is the point? Unless, except for their science classes. I'm like, you know, people say it makes you well-rounded. And I'm like, dude, I've been to college. Okay, a douchebag who takes an English literature course is still a douchebag. All right. It's this is not how you become well-rounded in life. To become well-rounded, you travel, you interact with people from different cultures and different backgrounds, you become self-motivated to learn, you get out of your comfort zone. You don't sit in a classroom and and listen to the these idiots teach you regurgitated crap. Sorry, I, I get still get passionate about this. Look, I'm very passionate about it too. And this is a very different type of episode compared to others, but I really enjoy it because, you know, honestly, there is truth because there are so many classes that are taught by TAs. Again, professors aren't paid to teach. They're paid for their research. So this is an issue that you're not. So they could if they're a great researcher and they get a lot of grants, they're going to still be qualified to teach. Like if you look at my professor, yes, there, there are some teachers who are cool and all that. Some teachers who are great teachers, but they're not common because that sometimes the best people don't become teachers because just because of the salary, just because of the lifestyle, just because they could make something more. Like I remember when I was in, you know, I, I went to college and my math classes, the smartest people who are the best people in math, they didn't become teachers because they're like, well, I can make triple the amount doing something else. So why would I teach? And that's why I love teaching online, because I'm one of those people who would have, you know, I would might have become a teacher. My dad was a teacher in a colleges for a while. And I'm like, I would never teach in a college. But because I have the freedom to do it online, I can teach the way I do it. I get people better results. And that's you asked me about the book. And I was like, after I go through the whole 
detailed analysis of why these statistics are misleading, why there's an organization called the National Association for Colleges and Employers, NACE. It is a organization run by colleges with the college's interest at heart. They provide all the data that you see on the news and they distort the data. And I'll give you the bullet points, by the way. They say that the average college grad makes $50,000 a year, which is a lie a flat out lie. And they do this by taking a very selective sample of surveys from the no methodology. It's not scientific. It's not an actual, like actual scientific, uh, survey of, of people. And what they'll do is they, I literally show this in the book. They literally sample 200 English majors, like 200 liberal arts majors, 200 history majors, 3000 engineering oh, majors. That's cheating. It's so cheating. And then CNN and MSNBC and whatever, and even every network, they take the numbers from this organization and they pump it out on the front page. College graduates making $50,000 a year. I'm like, dude, you know, people majoring in English, people, if you're not majoring in engineering or computer science, you're making $12, $15 an hour at some shitty customer service job. And you know, here's the other thing. Averages don't mean much. You know why? Because look, in the sense of you yourself, you know yourself, you know what you're good at. You know what you're not good at. You know where you're superior, where you're not superior. Averages are meant more for, hey, should we push these things? Because on average, people do better. You know yourself like the average person is like 51 percent female because they're like the population is 51 percent female. So that already like you have to look at the average of a male. You have to look at the average of a female. You have to look at an average per major. You have to look at average per location, average per age, average per grade. Right. That's what you have to look at. And then you have to do your analysis. Like if you're a crappy student, you suck at school and you drop out. Your average will be totally different than a great student who probably interns everywhere and is great at engineering or knows how to code, right? His, aver uh, his or her average is different than your average. So that's the other thing. The other thing I'll kind of say is a lot of these studies, right? They look at, oh, in 2000, the average person earns this much more over their lifetime. They track people over their lifetime. But in order to track someone over their lifetime, you have to follow them from the 60s. So you're looking at a person who graduated in the 60s, a completely different time plan, completely different ec economy, and you're tracking them for 40 years. You're not going to have the, the student in the 2000s is not going to have the same average. The student in 2020 is not going to have the same average because, again, they weren't necessarily competing with people all over the world. They didn't have the Internet. They didn't have these other things. Just the fact that you drove to the library in the next town over and got the book that nobody else had already put you ahead of the whole town. So that's another thing that a lot of people. Yeah, you're right, man. Everything is backdated. And that's why I'm excited about my students now. Who, like I just talked with like a 20 year old who is making 50K. And um, all my students who are making all this really good salaries in their early 20s, by the time they're 50, 60 years old, hopefully this will start to shift those numbers. But the other thing about the earnings, the last thing I'll say is that the book isn't just about why college is a mistake. It's like what to do instead. That was always the big thing because people would be like, well, it's terrible. It's overpriced. It's a waste. But what do you do instead? And I was like, you have this terrible choice and you're just going to do it because you don't think you have any other options. I'm going to lay out what all the other options are. And that's why I conclude that's the second half of the book. The last thing I was going to say about the, the misleading statistics is if you go to payscale.com and I dig into all these websites in the book. So like you look at history majors, right? And I was like, according to their website, like history majors make an average of like 70 or $80,000 a year. And you're like, whoa, wow, I should major in history. No, if you dig into that, you're going to see, well, first of all, the, the sampling is very skewed. It's not necessarily accurate. But also most of those people making all that money are lawyers. Ah, uh, so that so it's like, what is their actual job? It's like, oh yeah, so they majored in history, went to law school. You can major in English, go to law school. You major in philosophy, go to law school. Now all those undergrad majors get inflated because the person actually got a graduate, you know, a few, uh, a skill set. So I think everybody on the podcast already knows that college is a mistake. What I try to do with the book also, it's to help people feel better about their decision to skip college too. Because what I, I've met people who didn't go to college, and a lot of them will say to me, like. I feel like I missed out. I really wish I'd gone uh, or somehow they think in professionally they're, they're like lacking something. And I've actually had to be like, guys, listen, you are not lacking anything. <laughs> this is all in your head. But the rest of the book is exactly what to do instead. And that's get marketable skills. And I do focus on digital marketing because that's what I've had the most success with. That's what I think still the easiest, lowest barrier for entry. It's the most accessible because it's not as sophisticated as coding. You know, you don't have to be a super math whiz to do it. 
it's got a good left right brain balance and good work life balance. But I also would say if you like coding or UX interface or cybersecurity, just something that employers need. That's all you have to do is go to LinkedIn and be like, what are employers looking for? And you're not going to see like, we need English majors. We need philosophy majors at the liberal arts factory, the philosophy factory. You just won't see that. And even if you see bachelor's degree required, I'm telling you, that's the other thing I try to, like, I'm like a preacher. Bachelor's degree required is BS. It is not the law. They're not going to throw you in jail because you applied for some job that said bachelor's degree required. And you're like, you know, I have all these skills. I have all the experience. I can do the job, but I don't have this degree get out of my office. You know, they're not going to like kick you out and spit on you. Unfortunately, it does happen sometimes, but you should still try because sometimes the the hiring manager is not the one who put that requirement or, you know, it's something that they overlook. It happened once. I had this one student who was high school dropout making six figures. He worked his butt off for like two years. He's managing millions of dollars in ad spend. And, you know, he ended up leaving one job and he was looking for another one or recruiters are coming to him. So he's got like three interviews lined up. And one of the, but one of the places that contacted him initially didn't realize he didn't have a degree. And they said, oh, we're not interested. And I was like, dude, one, and then he got a better job. So I was like, yeah, there might be that one out of five or even two out of five that are going to give you a hassle about it. I was like, dude, don't like put yourself in debt <laughs> for that one idiot. And all the, all the companies like Google and Apple and Amazon and Facebook, they're all phasing out the degree requirements. But like, Joe Bob's, you know, widgets that was established 1930. They, yeah, they may keep the degree requirement. It's sad that it's like that because they should have gotten in trouble because they're not detail oriented and they didn't look at his freaking resume and see that there's no degree and they shouldn't have called him back if that's the requirement. You know, I hate like I've seen people who've made it to the interview and at the end they're like, hey, we have to go because you don't have a degree. Then why'd you interview that person? Why'd you waste that? I don't know. I think that should be illegal. Just like wasting someone's time. I think it's discrimination, I think, because honestly, it's not like, again, if it's a medical license, obviously you do not want to hire someone with a license. But if it's this stupid degree, it's discrimination. Because also you could argue that socioeconomic factors do play into people being able to get the degree. So there is racial, social aspects to it. You know what's very interesting? Friend of mine, maybe I'll come back on the podcast or have my friend come on because he actually, so I'm in, I'm in Thailand, right? And my friends all were in China before the pandemic. And they actually were kind of stuck here. They were teaching English or do, working in China. And one of my friends is part of an organization that basically, like the Chinese government requires a bachelor's degree now to teach English. And they work with some organization that basically helps you get like a super fast, super cheap. Uh, like a, yeah, okay, a bullshit degree. For people who have some have work experience. So the idea is you're in your job, you're doing your thing, and then some idiot says, You need a degree, or some government <laughs> says you need a degree. They help facilitate this process. So it's like six thousand dollars or five thousand. It's very cheap. And for me, I was like, yeah, if you're at your job and you run into some BS and you need to get it and you got to drop a few thousand dollars, like that's what you should do. You shouldn't have to like go into hot, you know, mortgage your house, remortgage your house to get this. Student. Honestly, it's just crazy. I remember like I went to a competitive high school and I remember like I was like I told this girl that I was like, hey, I'm not going to take this math class. I want to take another science class or something. And she was like, no, don't do it. You're going to ruin your life and this and that. And it's like. It's just crazy. I remember like SAT day came out, people crying and they thought their life is over. And I was like, and you know, it's interesting. Like I, I was a good student, but it's like the majority of like what I do now doesn't even have that. Yeah. Like once in a while I pop up Excel and stuff, but again, I learned that at work and it's just crazy. Like what I sort of do is like talk to people. It's my presentation skills, my ability to connect with others. What I learned from most was High school wrestling. That's where I learned like all my discipline. That's right. Right. That's what I took away from high school. Right. Obviously, I had some good teachers and all that, but it was just crazy how they just emphasize so many things. And it's just like it didn't really build because it's like I want to be creative. I want to be challenged, but I don't want to be left with busy work where it's like, hey, just do these 8000 practice problems because I said so. And because I don't want you to have a life and I own you and then I control your grades. For anybody listening who didn't go to college, I'm telling you, college will mess up your brain. It teaches you the wrong way to think. It teaches you the wrong way to write. Like this academic stuff you're talking about gets worse in college. 
I remember I, I actually took an anthropology class and I kind of liked anthropology because it was um, aspects of it were about human behavior. So it was kind of like psychology and there were some cool concepts, but the writing was so dense. And I've actually received resumes and students who are academics. I can tell they went to school and I have to teach them to un BS their writing because they don't know how to just communicate directly. They don't know how to communicate persuasively. They don't know how to connect. All they know how to do is write really like overly complicated, impressive sounding crap. Yeah, no, it's just crazy because I meet a lot of people and, you know, I help people with their LinkedIn profiles and they're like so robotic. And I'm like, look, someone's going to read it. Stop trying to sound like so buzzwordy. Just be human and talk to the person. When you read a website and you sign up for an app, it's like a friendly tone. They're like talking to you. So talk to the person reading your profile. They'll be like, oh, this sounds too street talk. I was like, we're not even talking hood and we're not talking ghetto. We're not like, yo, what's up? How you doing? It's regular talk. How you talk in conversation? I was like, and I, you know, I, I tell them, I was like, you're a sales guy. How do you talk to your people? You talk to them as people, not like they're robots. And it's just, it's just interesting that, you know, like college is a bubble environment and a lot of people they don't realize that the, the real world is very different and you have to sort of step out and kids are not ready for the workforce. Like I see people who are like crying cause they got like a B and then they're like, they're such perfectionists. And I was like, look, if you're a perfectionist, you're never going to get anything done in life because if you do get anything done, you're going to go build this app and you're going to realize that it gets 10 downloads because you didn't do any sort of testing or talk to any customers and then realize that you should have focused on something else, right? Even the best companies don't have perfect website. They don't have thing, but yet they make millions of dollars because again, you have to do a few things well and don't rely on perfection. I think that's a really good point because I really am a firm believer that school teaches you all the wrong skill sets, all the wrong ways of thinking. And what you said about grades and approval and perfection is hundred percent because I was like that. And I, you know, it's funny, like it took me getting my ass kicked in my twenties so that when I got to digital marketing, I was very grateful because I screwed up so much. I didn't, you know, I took like a year of mistakes and I stuck with it though. Cause I had, I developed that humility and that drive from that process. But Coming out of school, it was, yeah, I had very thin skin. I was a decent student. But my friends, you know, I, I have a really close friend now. Honestly, he was a terrible student in school. He uh, had learning challenges. And he's like the most resilient guy I know. So he's a much more balanced person because he didn't do well in school. And I think a lot of those people actually did a study of like valedictorians. And they said like they never achieve. They like usually do pretty okay in life, but they're never the achievers statistically, because they basically learned how to basically just kiss ass in school and this, you know, grades and memorization. Then you can game school too. Like I know the valedictorian at my school, they purposely didn't take like the most challenging classes so they could have the highest GPA. Whereas like, you know, you challenge yourself, you don't do as well, you don't get valedictorian. I would respect the person who actually challenged himself and took the classes that interest them and didn't do as well, right? That should be what we strive for, not someone who just takes the easy route They've even said that about college now is like that professors are give easier grades now than they used to because people are, I went to NYU and um, I was a bit arrogant because, you know, I came from really a competitive high school, but like, actually I got into my freshman English class and everyone was an idiot. I couldn't believe it. Like we were learning basic essay writing. And I remember actually one day we were all bitching about the class and I remember I was bitching because it was too easy. They were all like so hard. And I was like, where the hell am I? So a lot of kids in colleges, right, they use like test banks because the professors are too lazy to come up with tests that actually challenge you and get you to think. And they just buy this exam. And so the kids would pass around test banks. And let me tell you, test banks are the easiest things. Like I could take a biology test bank. I could study for an hour or two and I'll ace the test. Right. Because I've seen it. And I remember like these kids in like accounting and stuff. And they're like, this test bank is so hard. It's like, what's harder about the test bank? They give you the question. They give you the answer. It doesn't matter if they flip it around when you go. Oh, yeah, That's like super easy. Right. Unbelievable, man. I think we had just like cliff notes when I was growing up. It was just like cliff notes. I typically used to get like in my econ, like the math classes I actually had, like the kids were pretty smart. Like they were actually like learning and this and that. And the teachers were actually pretty good. I had a good math program. But like the econ classes, like econ was the easy major. That was like the major. It had the lowest amount of credits to get in. So all the like the kids who like hated school and you had like I had such bad students. I remember I had a summer class. 
The professor was very nice. This kid came in late every day and left early. It was an online midterm. How could you mess that up? He shows up like a week before the final. He's like, professor, I ain't take the midterm. And it was like, come on, dude. So, And it's like, if that person graduates, he's going to be favored over someone who doesn't have to That's like ridiculous, right? I've seen these kids like cheat who could barely, you know, do anything, who just cheated, who took the easiest classes. You know, why do they get the benefit of the doubt over someone who's like working their butt off, who's working one or two jobs, who's trying to pick up skills on the side? It's just totally unfair. It's insane. But I mean, it's it's the culture we live in. I mean, like you said, it's a bubble. And you have to think that this is a this is why I don't argue with people who don't understand this. And I tried for many years, but I look at human beings and I'm like, you know, in North Korea, they think that like Kim Jong-un doesn't have a butt and is God. So human beings can be trained to believe really stupid things. And in Western culture, they believe that in education, they literally will say, I believe in education. I'm like, dude, I don't believe in my car. Like the car either drives or it doesn't. And people believe in this thing, even though it's been the most massive failure destroying people financially. I honestly think the tuition could go up to like six figures a year and people would still, people will still pay for it. They will not look at it practically. So that's why it's up to people like you and me to help, I think, inspire younger people to be like, you're not alone. You're smart for questioning this. No, and here's the thing I tell people, colleges are in the business of education. Once you understand that their businesses the things they do make a lot more sense. They try to give you as little. And as long as you pay, they have no issue collecting. Like if you told me like, hey, I can do a crappy job mowing your lawn and you're going to pay me ridiculous rates. Unless I'm a really nice guy, I, have, I may not even show up. If I know you're going to keep paying me, you know, I really have no incentive. It's one of the strangest business models because there's no public accountability. It was years ago. I remember it was like Firestone or something made like some faulty tires. And there were these accidents and there was like an uproar, congressional inquiry, stock prices plummet. These colleges are destroying people's lives, providing a terrible product and people want more. And it's a completely insane business model. It's also, I say it's not an investment because if you invest in a stock or a company, first of all, you get updates on the status of your investment, even if it goes down. In most cases, you could, you know, potentially take out your money. And in college, you're just you're flushing it down the toilet. And by the way, good luck going to the bursar's office and asking for a refund. Oh, man, <laughs> you're never going to get it. It's really sad. And, you know, honestly, I blame parents because a lot of times even kids who don't want to go, they're pressured to go by their parents. Like I remember there were kids in classes like the kids would be on the iPads all day. And what happens is if someone's on the iPad, it's distracting for the people who actually do want to learn, right? Because that class was actually pretty interesting. So the people are on their iPad. So it's distracting for the people. So it's like, why are you even here, right? You're just wasting your time. You're wasting everyone else's time. It's like, it would be better if you weren't here, but they're solely there, right? Because their parents told them or someone told them or someone's paying their tuition. The, the thing I've also, what I've found with my students is that per, the parents are such an influence. And, it, and if a person has, fortunately, a lot of my students, what they're able to do is they're able to kind of circumvent their parents some of them don't tell them they're taking the course or that they're going to drop out. And then they get the job. And at that point, they have the bargaining to be able to look, I got a job. Like, why do you want me to stay in college? But a lot of them are still dealing with this pressure. I had a kid who was in grad school. He's working like a slave, literally 80 hours a week, making like $3 an hour, hated it and was living at home. And his parents were on him every day to stay in school or go back to school. They even had the pastor talk to him, which I thought was kind of funny. Because you got to stay in school. You got to get that master's degree. So it's cultural, man. I mean, the parents are the ones who've been brainwashed from ideas from the 60s and 70s. They don't understand what the workforce is like now. So I don't deal with parents. That's the other thing I don't do anymore. Like I used to try to talk to parents, but I'm like, I'm just, it's just not my job. And I'm like the uncle. I'm like the cool uncle that tells you the truth. But the other thing I wanted to speak positively is that once you get out of the system, once you're out of college and out of high school, you are so free. It is so liberating. And then you can learn what you want to learn with other people that want to learn. That's the thing you described. Like I remember in high school, like my high school was a little different because it was very competitive. So we didn't have many disciplinary issues. I did go to a, a city school for one year that was a nightmare because it was just disciplinary problems. No, you know, I grew up in uh, central New York and western New York. So I grew up in Utica, New York. And then Rochester is where I went to high school. And, and I actually, so I spent a, a year in like a city school 
And it was just so many disciplinary problems, people, fights, people, you know, yelling back at the teacher, you can't focus. Then I went to a school where it was so competitive, it was actually intimidating. But when you're an adult, you don't have to deal with that. You pick what you want to learn. That's what I think is so cool about online courses and stuff and, and seminars. You know, I've done all these seminars as an adult. I'm like, dude, I can't even like, there's like the idea that somebody would disrupt the seminar, you know? What are you doing here? Get out. Stop being a jerk. I paid for this. You pay for it because you want to learn it and you try to learn it and then you leave. It's like so clean. And when people take my course, it's the same thing. And I get really great students, you know? I occasionally get somebody that's a little bit difficult, but usually it's just because they have a mindset issue. But, you know, they want to learn. So nobody's in there like, oh, my mom's making me do this. My dad's making me do this. Or like, I want to, you know, I'd rather be on my, you know, doodling on my, it's like, you're here because you want to be here. And that is why I love education. I love learning. And that's what really pisses me off about this college thing is because people, people equate this BS craziness with education. And I'm like, dude, it's not education. You know, education is like, you know, and in my course, I love it because people write to me and like, I've learned more in a week than I learned from four years in my college from you. And I'm like, I love teaching. I love learning. Watch a documentary, read a book. <laughs> you're going to learn more than any of these lectures. That's education. And you're, you're free to do it as an adult. I think being an adult is much better than being like a teenager. No, you know what? I find that if you work hard, being an adult pays off a lot more. I find a lot of people who say they like school and stuff, they don't really like working hard because it's like, if you work hard as an adult and you're smart, the sky's the limit, right? Barring any unlucky life situations, right? That's something that, you know, that sucks about being an adult. Now, let's go into your course a little more. So like, what type of students succeed in your course? Who is your course geared for? And what type of jobs do they get after? I have tended to attract younger people, but I've also had students as old as 50. And it's usually people like you who are like people who are driven and hardworking and want something different than what they've been taught in school. They're usually already kind of looking for a skill set or some kind of career path that can give them flexibility and the, po and the possibility of higher earnings. And usually what happens is they find my course and then like it takes them like a week or two to look at all the testimonials and research and realize this isn't bullshit. This isn't like make money online in two hours sleeping or something yeah, avoid like that. Those. For those of you in the audience, please avoid that. Say, hey, I'm a 19 year old who drop ships and make 50K a month. The majority of their money actually comes from selling the course. They can fake screenshots. They can do a lot. Trust me, I can create a fake website that shows I'm a trillionaire and I sell the most amount on Shopify and I've done all that. You can get very creative. So your course is actually priced like when I, you know, one of the things I really liked about your course was that you actually price it fair. Yeah, it's very underpriced. It's at the moment, it's 500. I don't know when you're going to publish this. In August, it's going up to 800. And when you think about like my students getting 30, 40, $50,000 a year jobs from taking the course, you're like, that's like a 400 time ROI. Honestly, keeping it lower priced has allowed a lot of these, you know, a lot of my success, most successful students were people who I wanted to reach, like people who are either teenagers or in college or just out of college. They didn't have a lot of money or they had just gone into debt. The most successful people you ask, it's the people who come in with that passion, like you're talking about you know, and that drive. You don't need to have a special talent to do this work. But I will say that you get a, a taste for it. You get like a hunger for digital marketing and you'll know like within a month, you'll know if this is for you or not. And like, if you're like into it, you start like thinking about it, you start reading about it and you get really obsessed. If you're like boring, I don't like it. You know, I just, I give those people their money back. It doesn't happen that often. Um, the great thing about it is I'm like the spark that lights the fire. Like I give them the basics and I don't just give them the random basics because you, sure, you could go on YouTube and learn all sorts of random stuff, but I put everything together in like a cohesive plan and I teach you exactly what you need, not only to do the skills and, and run ads and build websites, but how to present yourself to employers. That was the big thing missing from every other course and college that always pissed me off. It's like, if you go to college for four years, you're going to get a two hour little crappy seminar about your resume in the last semester. But dude, this should be the whole course. So I actually teach people how to build their resume and how to talk to hiring managers and how to get the job. That's like half the course. <laughs> so, and the types of jobs people get, you can look at um, my interviews. I mean, most, mostly Google ads managing, so that's PPC specialist. PPC stands for pay per click. This is how Google makes all their money through those ads when you do searches. Google has a lot of businesses, you know, and they, they Android phones and everything, but the most money 
comes from people clicking those ads. And my students manage those ads. And that's why there are 90,000 job openings on LinkedIn every day for paid search manager type jobs because millions of companies are advertising and they need people to help manage these ads. And because the colleges are so terrible, they're not producing graduates that know how to do this. So that's why my students have a leg up. They can get these jobs. They also get search engine optimization jobs, which is helping your website rank higher in the organic Google rankings, Facebook and Instagram ad jobs, analytics jobs, which has to do with measuring customer behavior on websites. There's just so many options once you get your foot in the door, so to speak, and get into this field. There are so many different job types. How long is your course? The course is about, I say, 14 to 15, maybe 16 hours of videos. And it's self-paced. So it's not like, you know, it's not like one week, two week, three weeks or anything. I got some people binge watch everything in a week or two. Most people they're working or they have a, they're in school. So they take their time over a few months. I usually recommend people spend two to three months absorbing everything, reabsorbing it, and then implementing. You have to implement, you have to take action and do the assignments. That's what gets people the jobs is the, the experience they generate. But the typical, I mean, within six months, if you follow all the instructions, if you do what I say, you get the feedback from my coaches, within six months, you will start getting interviews. So what are the realistic amounts that people can make? Because obviously some people, you know, they get the D to 70. Some people start at the 20 to 30. What's the like realistic amount that you kind of see? I like to tell people to, for realistic expectations, because again, differentiates me from other people. I'm like, oh, there's actually a, a competitor of mine who's a former student, which I think is hilarious. He, he's telling people you're going to make like 10K your first month, 30 days. That's completely unrealistic, guys. The way it works is, and this is me, five years of doing this, thousands of people have helped. It's about 30 to 40K entry level. The point of the entry level job is to get that experience. That is the point. You're not, that's not your job for the rest of your life. After three, six, nine months worth of experience and real accounts, you will be pursued by recruiters. You will be able to get a better job, a better paying job. And usually it's within one year you can get to 60K. That is the most common. And then it's usually within two years, 70 to 80. And my six-figure earning students are usually three to four years in. You can also supplement your salary with freelance clients, which a lot of my students do. And I just wanted to tell you this because this, this kind of blew my mind. This... Last month, June, two 19-year-old students of mine got hired on the same day, different companies, and they each are making 50K starting, starting out. I actually, I'm going to be honest with you, this is how real I like to keep things. I double-checked when this one student wrote to me because I was like, is this legit? <laughs> and I looked up the company that he told me hired him and I checked out the company. It's a real company. Like I checked out their history because I was like, that's amazing. And then the other student who was 19 was, I followed her for about six months in the course. She had been very proactive, you know, going on interviews. I thought she was like 28. She's 19 and she got hired. And another student just messaged me. Unfortunately, she's private. She didn't want, or actually, I think I'm going to post her, her thing, but I'm not going to, I wasn't going to, I'm not going to say her name, but she got a starting salary of 60. And that is very unusual. Usually it takes about a year, but I was like, Hey, <laughs> you know, there's every, these are skills are in demand. No, I mean, that's good. I mean, there's so many opportunities and then, you know, it is about how proactive because the more skills you pick up, the more tools you learn, right. As you learn like the different, cause I, I use S SEMrush, but then there's Ahref and you learn the Google analytics and you learn the Google search console and you learn all these little things, right. You really upskill yourself because the fact is, is you know how to manage money and you know how to, how to optimize if someone's spending 10, 20, 30, 40, 50K a month in ads, even if you're getting them a 10% extra return, right? Now you have measurable things to say like, hey, you spent a million dollars last year and you got 3 million in sales. I came in, you spent a million and now you got 3.5 million in sales. Or you got 4 million in sales. You can say, I got you a million more in sales. What's an increase of 20K? What's an increase? So it does, you know what, that's one of the benefits of digital marketing. And you, when you do work with PPC, you have the direct measurable impact. And you can say, look, if I leave, you're going to lose this knowledge. And you can always go, there's so many competitors and the freelance clients. And the thing is, if you have your own projects, being able to promote your own projects is a very strong asset. Like I remember I took a course on Facebook ads. It was like a hundred hours long. 
And it was just very interesting, right, to kind of take these courses and to kind of see how in-depth they are. And it's always changing. And the beauty is once you have that base level of knowledge, you can always learn, right? You can always experiment. You can separate the garbage from the actual because now I can kind of tell like, oh, this guy's all faking it. No, you know what? This guy is real. And that's one of the things that attracted me to you. I appreciate that, man. And yeah, my my course, I like to call it the Goldilocks level because what I found was there's a lot of courses where there's too thin. And I've seen a lot of like, even like, I didn't take the course, but like I had a sense of like Ty Lopez and Dan Henry and these guys who I actually... I liked some of his stuff, but they were too hyped up on making So would you sales. say Ty Lopez and who? Dan Henry. Dan Henry, okay. They're too hyped up on this idea of like, start a social media agency. And it was just all about closing clients and getting them in the door. And they weren't giving them the real solid, like quality training on how to actually service the clients and provide quality service. And then there were other courses that were just super thin and it was all hype. And then on the other end, what I found was the courses are too dense and they're giving you like 100, 200 hours of very, very deep stuff that may or may not be even practical. It might all be theoretical. And also, this is very, it's a deterrent to learning. And really, I'm teaching people how to have a career. What's going to happen on your first job, so you know how this, this is, and this has worked with like every interview you'll see with me, it's the same story. They got the basics from me. I gave them the Goldilocks stuff. I didn't give them too little information, but I didn't overwhelm them with 500 hours of stuff. Then they go to the interview and they impress the interviewer with this knowledge and their experience. And then once they're hired, they're not thrown into $3 million of ad spend. They're usually mentored. These agencies, they want like people they can train. And they also want to train them in their own methodology. That's the other reason why I wouldn't want to give you like a 500-hour course because you might learn, like, this is the way I report, do reporting and this. Then you go to the agency and they go, no, that's not how we do reporting. We do it this way. And you have to unlearn. So the most amazing thing to me about even this other 20-year-old student who's making 50K, I just interviewed Christopher, not only is he getting paid all this money and he's not going to college, but he's getting trained and he asks questions and they're giving him answers and he's getting, he's shadowing like mentors and you should be paying for that. What's interesting is like, look, let's say like at 19, right? Now that three years in, so let's say average college student graduates at 22. Now that three years in, they've made, let's say, 50K, 150K. Let's say you lose a third to taxes. So now you're 100K ahead. You have three years of experience. If you've developed your people skills and your work skills, you are now in a much better position and you have much more flexibility and, you know, you're adapting with the time. So, no, I, that's amazing. I'm so happy you're doing that. Thanks, man. I would love to uh, connect you with some more of my alumni. I mean, because now, you know, a few years ago, it was just starting. But now there are people like that who've been in the field for two or three years without a degree. They're making good money. They have that time freedom, um, a lot of them. And I can hook you up with some of these guys. And if you guys are interested, you can go to my YouTube channel and you can definitely see. Yeah. So I'll put that in the show notes. So you have a webinar too, right? Like a webinar. So how long is the webinar? And the webinar covers like kind of the introductory basics. Yeah. The, the webinar is an introduction to this field, why these jobs are, you know, how it's possible that people are getting these jobs. And then I do explain much more detail about the course. It gets very detailed. It's about an hour and a half. Yeah. You can, uh, I don't know if you're going to provide the link. The link is going to be in the show notes. Click the link. By the time this episode is released, it's going to be actually $800. I don't know. Maybe you'll give a discount code or something like that for the listeners of this podcast or something. But either way, it's a steal, right? $800 self-paced. You can kind of do it at your own pace. And, you know, within six months, you can seriously get something very good. And I'll have resume templates and all that. And he covers a lot how to find the jobs. So, you know, check it out. It doesn't hurt. And, you know, the beauty is, is that you have so much flexibility, yeah, I mean, as far as options go, if I were 20 again, I would get these skills because, you know, I even get people who are artists. I actually did an interview with a, a young woman who's an artist, right? Like she she draws and she is a digital marketer now. So she works full time, but she's still able to do her art while she has her job and she can get freelance clients. So now when she finally, you know, someday she'll transition to just freelance clients so she can do her art more. You need a skill set. That's what I learned. Like, you know, you need something to make you money while you're pursuing your passions. And regarding the pricing, you know, I'm actually underpriced. Like I said, most of my competitors are two or three thousand dollars, if not six thousand. And some are four to five K, four to five K, four to six K. I've kind of seen it. And nobody has these kinds of results. In fact, one of my competitors who's a former student who ripped off my course, essentially, he charges more than me. 
And for a while, I was like, well, I like being a more like bargain position. But I said, no, this is the problem now is now the perception is like that my course is not the top course. I need to be, I should be charging more than him at this point because I'm the original. <laughs> but more so, it's about an investment. And I want people who understand this is a long term investment. This is not a get rich quick thing. This is like, you're going to be, when you get this skill set, not only do you make, you know, 40 times your investment when you get your first job, you're making that for the rest of your life. Your lifetime earnings go up millions of dollars, literally millions. If you can get yourself from a 20K year job to a 40K, 50K, 60K. And the industry is growing too. You know, I count the total like earnings of all my students is in the millions. No, I mean, look, you, it's a good course. You teach it well. So I really want to thank you for your time, for kind of sharing your perspective, you know, buy the book, right? To really look at the statistics. I mean, I hope when you're listening to this, you're still in high school, you're 18, you know, take it over the summer, right? As a high school student, take it over the summer, start these projects and, you know, really start early. Cause I found that for a lot of people, once you get the job and you have some independence and you start saving, you know, you don't necessarily need to finish college. I found a lot of people, it's like, once you start making the money, you know, you do have the option because it's it's just not worth it to sometimes stay in a household that's that kind of overbearing unless they're really paying for everything. To speak to that, I almost wish I'd said this earlier. That is one of the most difficult things is that you basically, you are, you know, we're brought up by our parents. So they feed us, they clothe us, they wipe our butts when we're babies. And over the time we mature and they were very helpful until you're about 15 and then you start to develop your own ideas. And at that point, it's not a healthy relationship for most people because they're trying to impose their will upon you. And because you are financially dependent on them, you have no power. And this is what I hear again and again. So people, it's like, my parents want me to go to college. I'm like, what? so why would you do something you don't want to do? And it's usually either emotional dependence or and it's often financial. And that's why in the book, I encourage people to start getting these skills when you're young, you can get into digital marketing when you're in high school. You can get clients when you're in high school. You can do coding when you're in high school. And you should start thinking future. Like, don't be listening to these old people that don't know anything about the future of technology and commerce. And then even if you have to get a part-time job just to sort of save up some money so you can get your own apartment, the best advice I think I could give you as a young person is to just try to get out of your parents' house if you do not have a really great relationship where they're supportive. You know, that's where people really struggle with my with with anything I think is that if they're on you if they're pressuring you to go to college and you don't want to go and you're fighting with them all the time you got to get out. No, I've seen it, it meant the mental health and stuff. Fortunately like you know my parents yes they were on me but they were it was still like I I was able to ignore them. So, you know, and save up, you know, and be strategic and stuff. So every situation is different, you know, make the decision that's best for your future and, you know, pick up the skills and, you know, save money and kind of do what you need to do. So thank you for so much. Any final words before we sort of end the episode? Oh, just thanks for, for having me on. And oh, guys, I was going to say, I mean, if you're in high school or you have questions about college or the, I know, obviously I'm, you know, I'm promoting my course, but if you have just questions about college, I love to, as you can hear me, I get really passionate about it. So if you like, or in one of those situations where you're in high school and you got all this peer pressure to go to college and all this stuff and you have any questions, you can feel free to reach out to me on social media, on YouTube, or if you sign up for the webinar, you'll get an email from me and you can reply to that. I respond to all my emails I get, but I particularly like to respond to the people in high school because you guys are the future and uh, I'd like to see you get some good information in your head. <laughs> yeah, so we'll link the YouTube channel, the link to the book, the link to the free webinar, the link to the course, check it out. It's not a big investment, especially if you're interested in a digital marketing career. Thank you so much for your time, Seth. I really appreciate it. You have so much, and I know a lot of students will benefit from your course. Thanks for having me, man. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by... You! No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, 
No degree, no problem. NoDegree.com. Yeah. So, you got no degree? No problem. No problem. Any problem, we can solve them. We got this. LinkedIn Somnia keeps us evolving. Growing in and knowing. Wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. If you didn't know, now you know. Let's sing that again, everybody. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn Somnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn Somnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah.